Welcome to Renewal Church. My name is Jared Kirk. I'm the pastor here. I'm really glad that you guys are here today. And how about the worship team this morning? Was that awesome? I think, did a hoedown almost break out in Boston? What happened? That was so much fun. You guys, great job with that. That was killer. Hey, so this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about jealousy in just a second. We're, we're in a series called Fast From Feast On, talking about removing the things from our life that, that need to come out, but also replacing those with the right things and the positive things. Because as you well know, if you try to just get rid of a bad habit from your life, but you don't replace it with the right thing, it just doesn't work. And so we opened the series talking about fasting and prayer, but now we're talking about some of those deeper soul level things. Last week, we talked about uh, getting anger out of your life and replacing it with peace. And today, we're dealing with jealousy, and this series is during the season of Lent because it's supposed to help prepare us for Easter, which you heard all about. It's in two weeks, and um, I've got um, some of my friends' names, my neighbors up there, and we did a teacher appreciation event at the school here this past week, and one of my next-door neighbors is a teacher here, and so he came up to myself and Heather um, on the street yesterday, and he was like, man, thanks so much for the thing you did for the teachers. It was so much fun or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you should totally come on Easter. And he said, yeah, your wife just invited me. I'm headed out of town. And, you know, part of me was just like, was just heartbroken because I want that family so much, him and his, his girlfriend and their, their two little girls, and I want them to know the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. But um, Easter for us is starting an unshakable faith teaching series. And so, I, you know, I just, I know God has a plan for him. So I'm going to invite him to the next week of unshakable because I know he'll be in town for that. So I, I hope God is putting people on your heart to think about as we come up towards the Easter season. Because if you look around the room, there's still some empty seats. Look around. And I believe this. God never gives a church a seat unless he has a person to fill it. And I believe that this church is supposed to be filled with our friends and neighbors hearing about the joy and hope about Jesus because Jesus doesn't just take you to heaven when he dies. That's part of it. He gives you forgiveness for your past. He gives you hope for your future. And he gives you the power to change today. And so I hope God's putting some people on your heart. Now today in Fast from Feast on is jealousy. And here's the problem with jealousy, Christine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's the problem with jealousy. It's like having spinach stuck in your teeth. Easy to see in someone else, can't see it in yourself. Easy to see in someone else, can't see it in yourself. In fact, little known fact, this is actually why God invented marriage. So that when you have something stuck in your teeth, you have someone who loves you enough to tell you that it's there. But it's so easy to see jealousy in other people, it's hard to see it in ourselves. Um, so I was thinking about this, trying to reflect, God, when have I been jealous? And it hit me that there's a co an experience common to all mankind where we experience jealousy. Um, a couple years ago, I was working with a, a guy. He does the same thing I do. He's a pastor. And he's um, probably like 10 or 15 years younger than me. And so he has about 10 or 15 years less experience than I do. And I was doing some coaching. I was kind of engaged in their church. And through that process of being like deeply engaged in their church, I found out how much money he made, and he made more than me, and 30 seconds before that happened, I was happy. 30 seconds before that, I was content. 30 seconds before that, 
I had no financial worries in my life because I've tried to manage well whatever God gives me, whether it's a lot or little. But when I found that out, I was so mad. And I had to tell myself, okay, you were happy. This is jealousy. And then here's the weird thing is for the next couple months, every time that guy's name would come up, I would think, I need to make more money. (laughs) And then I have to tell myself all over again, like, dude, you were happy. Stop letting yourself become so unhappy, so ungrateful, because you, ha- you know that what's... And what I've come to realize is this is an experience that is common to everybody. Have you ever found out how much somebody makes, and it was just a little bit more than you? It will ruin your life. It will. And it doesn't matter whether you both make $12 an hour, or whether you're a CEO making $12 million a year. One extra zero can make you hate a person. Two extra zeros could be murder. <laughs> That's jealousy. You know, I, like I said, you know, we, we don't often see jealousy in ourselves. We don't, we don't think a lot about it. But, um, and I, I've noticed this, that sometimes people are, some people are more materialistic, some people are less materialistic. I grew up in South Florida, which is like L.A. of the East, and all, you know, me and all my friends, we were all super materialistic growing up. But if you're not materialistic, you may think I'm not a particularly jealous person. But jealousy is not just about money. It's not just about zeros. It's just not, it, it could be um, if you feel like someone is stealing uh, someone's affection from you. If you feel like someone's getting the praise that you should have got. If you feel like someone's getting the promotion that should be yours. If you feel like someone is getting all the awards and the aplomb that, that should be yours, you can get jealous. It's not just money. It's not just money. And especially when you're dealing with a sense of regret, or you're feeling insecure about yourself, you're not feeling good about yourself, instead of focusing on your own life, you look up, you look around, you start comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing, and then you get jealous. And I've been thinking deeply about jealousy as we prepare for this teaching series, and, and, and I, I've tried to parse out the difference between envy, coveting, and jealousy, and they're, all, they're kind, of, kind of close. They're all kind of related, and sometimes we use the words in an interchangeable way, but here's what I came up with that I think helps clarify this for us. You, this isn't a, a blank in your notes, but you can write this down if you want to. Envy says, I wish I were you. Envy says, I wish I were you. You see uh, Bill Gates on his yacht, and you think, I would love to live like that. But you're not jealous exactly, because he hasn't taken anything from you. Envy says, I wish I were you. Coveting says, I want what belongs to you. I want your wife, or in the Bible, I want your ox, or your donkey, or your manservant. That's what it says in the Bible. You ever see somebody just pulling up in your neighborhood, you know, a brand new neighbor, and they come rolling in on a sweet donkey? That's coveting. I want what's your, I want that thing that belongs to you. That's coveting. Here's jealousy. You are taking what should be mine. That's jealousy. You are taking what should be mine. Those customers should be mine. That raise should be mine. That award should be mine. That recognition should be mine. That position should be mine. My children's affection, it should be mine and mine alone. That's jealousy. So let me give you an example. Envy says, I wish I had a job like that. Coveting says, I want your job. Jealousy says, I should have had that job. You took what belonged to me. That's jealousy. Have you ever felt jealous? Ever felt like you're stealing the affection of my kids away? 
You're taking the applause of the crowd that should be mine. You're taking customers that should be mine. You're stealing your, my position. You don't deserve that promotion. Have you ever said to yourself, uh, you were always dad's favorite? I always said that to my sister because she was my dad's favorite. I've never forgiven her for that. <laughs> Have you ever said, you're the teacher's pet? I deserve that raise. They don't deserve that kind of success. That's all jealousy. Jealousy has entitlement at its root and comparison as its fruit, and it will destroy you from the inside out. Listen to what the Bible says about jealousy in Proverbs 14.30. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. You hear that phrase, cancer in the bones? Jealousy makes you sick. It makes you weak. It rots your life from the inside out. It will embarrass you publicly as you talk bad about other people. And everyone around you, can, they can spot it in you instantly and they say, he's just jealous. She's just jealous. Well, there's a story of the Bible in um, 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20. And it's a story of Saul and David, and it's a story that's all about jealousy, and it helps you to spot jealousy in your own life. And I can't read you the whole story because it's three chapters long, three Bible chapters, not like Harry Potter chapters. But so you could read it on your own in about 10 minutes at home. And actually, I want to encourage you to do that on your own this week as you wake up first thing and read your Bible, uh, 1 Samuel 18 through 20. But here's what it's about. It's about a king named Saul and a talented young military commander named David. And you would think having a talented young military commander would be a good thing, but Saul gets jealous and it ruins the whole thing. So listen to just the beginning of the story, and then we're going to pull some principles out of it to help us spot jealousy in our own lives. Here's 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 9. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Uh-oh. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, I want you to read that story on your own time, but today I'm going to share with you seven signs that I'm acting out of jealousy, and, and that's what this whole story is about. So write these down in your teaching notes. They were handed to you when you came in today. They look like this, and it's on the inside of your teaching notes. I'm acting jealous when I compare myself to the talented people around me. I start getting insecure, I start looking at everybody, I start comparing talent levels, I get, I get super insecure, I get super worried, I'm comparing myself to them. Number two, I'm acting jealous when I get angry when they praise someone other than me. You can see that really clearly in the story of Saul and David here. Number three, I'm acting jealous when I want people who are more successful than me to suffer. <laughs> now, we are much too uh, well put together to say that out loud. But you all have a coworker that you wouldn't mind if they just got disappeared, you know? Wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Um, if you're over 40, you remember Tanya Harding. If you're not, ask a grown-up. <laughs> number, number four, uh, I'm jealous when I become fearful that someone will steal my position. You can hear that in the story of King Saul as well. 
You could be jealous of people who are younger than you and have less than you, but you feel like they're moving up in the world and they're gonna steal your spot. Uh, number five, I scheme and plot scenarios in which other people will fail. If you've ever had a daydream about the downfall of your arch rival at work, you know what I'm talking about. Number six, when you try to eliminate any rivals to my position. And number seven, I'm acting jealous when I make everyone else pick sides. That's a big one. And, and you see this sometimes um, in, in divorced homes. And then there's a new stepmom or a stepdad. And, and, and you look at the kids looking at their new stepmom and having a great time and having so much fun. And, and you feel like uh, they shouldn't be showing her their affection. They should be showing me their affection. And you make the kids pick sides. Some of you were in homes where that kind of jealousy just put a strain and a tension on your life. And you, you know the damage that jealousy can do because you lived it. And some of you are dealing with it right now. So if you've ever noticed these signs in your life and you've noticed jealousy start to creep in, you feel like people are taking credit that belongs to you, you feel like someone else is more, you've got to learn how to deal with this in a godly way or else, as the Bible says, it is like a cancer in your bones. It will rot you from the inside out. It will steal your joy. It will steal your contentment where three seconds ago you were happy. Now you're you're, you're terribly unhappy, you're angry, you're bitter. You've got to deal with it. And if you do, you'll end up with thankfulness in your life, contentment in your life, joy in your life. So here's what I wanna do with the rest of our time today. I wanna teach you four things from the Bible that can help you deal with jealousy in a godly way. Four things from the Bible so you can be at peace and you can be a person who supports those other people in your life. You can't love people well when you're jealous with them. And God said that's one of the most important things we're supposed to do. Love God, love people. Show compassion and go tell the world. Like that, that, that's it. And you can't love people well when you're jealous. So when I start to feel jealous of others, four things. Number one, I thank God for what I have and what I don't have. I thank God for what I have and what I don't have. The root of jealousy is entitlement. I feel like I deserve what they are getting. I feel like it should have been me. And the quickest way to destroy entitlement in your life is to thank God for what you've got and for what you don't got. Thank him out loud. Thank him actively, verbally, specifically. Because you've got to acknowledge these things instead of focusing on what you don't have. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those of you who belong to Jesus Christ. All circumstances. So when you're happy, when you're unhappy, when, you, when you've got, you feel like you've gotten what you deserve, when you feel like you haven't gotten what you deserve, you're always thanking God because the good things in our life come to us from God. So when I get jealous, I have to pause and reorient myself around what God has already given me. And here's the truth of Christianity, that when you turn from your sin to follow Jesus, you get forgiveness for your past, hope for eternity in the future, and the power to change today. And if God never does another thing in your life, you could still praise him and thank him for all eternity for giving you Jesus. That is, that, is, that is one of the most powerful truths of Christianity that can reorient your life around gratitude instead of jealousy and entitlement because we have something so, we have eternity to thank God for, we have today to thank God for, and we can thank God that our past is wiped away. When that kind of gratitude grips your life, it destroys jealousy. 
And so you thank him and praise him. The focusing on what God has given you is the secret to enjoying life. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. How simple is that of a motto for life? Desiring what you don't have is a surefire way to misery in this life. But as much as you have to thank God for what you do have, you also have to thank God for what you don't have. And that's the harder part. That's the secret that's buried in the scriptures. I thought of a great example of this this week. Um, Most of us think um, if we were to win the lottery, it would be just an incredible gift. And that's how we think about most of the things we want in our life. We're like, God, this would just be great for me. This would be perfect for me. Why haven't I gotten it yet? Um, But maybe you've seen the documentaries or you've read Time, Time Magazine had an article about lottery winners in 2016. And here's what the article said. So many of them wind up unhappy or wind up broke. People have had terrible things happen, said Don McNay, a financial consultant to lottery winners and the author of Life Lessons from the Lottery. That's a weird job. How do you get that job? You go where the money is. That's how you get that job. Maybe he's part of the reason terrible things are happening. Anyway, that just dawned on me. Here's what he says. People commit suicide. People run through their money. Easy comes, easy goes. They go through divorce or people die. It's just upheaval that they're not ready for, McNay told Time. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse instead of improving them. Then the article shares this statistic. 70% of people who suddenly receive a windfall of cash will lose it within a few years, according to the National Endowment for Financial Education. If you win the lottery, there is a better than 50-50 chance that it would be a gift you wish you had never gotten. And I wonder how many of the gifts in our lives that we haven't gotten are actually God's best for us. When when you know that God is not just um, a cosmic vending machine, but he is a loving father, you can thank him for what he hasn't given you today. Um, Have you ever said, um, God, I'm so thankful um, that I didn't marry that person? I got one of those. Heather's got one of those. It's probably me. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever said, I'm so thankful I didn't move there? I'm so thankful I didn't get that job. I'm so thankful I didn't take that position. But you can only see it in hindsight. In faith, you can thank God for the things he hasn't given you today. And so you might need to say in faith, God, thank you for what you haven't given me. Now, today in the service, uh, we're taking communion every day leading up to Lent. So I want to invite the worship team to come back up because we're going to take communion now. Because part of communion is an act of thanking God for his greatest gift to us that we just mentioned a minute ago. That in Jesus, you have forgiveness for your past, power to change today, and hope for the future. As we come back and think about jealousy, I feel like as we thank God for what he's given us, jealousy melts away. That's just the first piece of biblical wisdom for dealing with jealousy in our life. If the first one was, when I feel jealous, I thank God for what I have and don't have, then the second thing is to recognize that no one's life is perfect. So go ahead and write that down. When I feel jealous, I have to recognize no one's life is perfect. I mentioned before that jealousy has entitlement at its root and comparison as its fruit, but what I didn't say before is that comparison is the root of all insecurity. 
You look up, you look around, you compare your weaknesses with their strengths. And listen, I get it. Like, social media is a part of this. Instagram is a part of this, or so young people tell me. (laughs) But here's the thing. This is not fundamentally a technology issue. No, 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 no. This is a human heart issue. Because I... I'm going to show you in the Psalms. Now, the Psalms were written before Jesus, probably about 500 years or so before, maybe, maybe more, maybe 1,000 years before Jesus. And I want you to hear as people are looking at other people's lives and seeing the perfection. It's, um, well, let's look at it. Psalm 73. And this, the whole Psalm is about this, so I've picked a selection of verses to look at. I almost lost my footing, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and then send them sliding over a cliff to destruction. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. Do you see what's happening here in the progression of these verses? It starts with those subtle lies that we all believe that when we look at people's life from a distance... It's easy to say uh, they're prospering despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. They don't have troubles like other people. And that, 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 that is the, the same subtle lie that every human heart believes that goes on Instagram. But there's a way to deal with that, and it comes when they move into your sanctuary, oh God. Now, what does that mean in the context of the Old Testament? It's just sanctuary is where God's presence is. So spending time in God's presence somehow deconstructs these subtle lies that we believe that other people's lives are perfect. Now, why is that? Well, there's a, a, just a simple equation for life that we find echoed in these verses here. You might want to write this in your notes, and here's what it is. The truth of God's word plus the power of God's presence equals the gift of God's perspective. Let me say that again. The truth of God's word plus the power of God's presence equals the gift of God's perspective. Because when the writer of this psalm goes into the sanctuary, then what happens? He says, then I understood then I understood the destiny of the, I could see people, God, the way that you see people. And when you spend time in God's presence and you gain God's perspective, all of a sudden, people's perfect lives, they, probably, they don't seem so perfect anymore. You know what the difference is between people, people with problems and people without problems? Some people are better at hiding their problems than other people are. That's it. That's it. You come to church, you look around, People have their nice, shiny dress clothes on, and they're nice, professional. I mean, some people are better at hiding their problems than other people are. But when you look from God's perspective, there are no people without problems. There's just people. And if you've been believing the lie that other people's lives are perfect and getting jealous, then you're going to get jealous of them. But when you have God's perspective, it destroys jealousy in your life. I remember years ago hearing about a very talented young worship leader. He was 20 years old, and every week he was leading worship for several thousand people. So naturally, this made the other worship leaders in the city very jealous. Is it like, he doesn't deserve all that platform, he doesn't deserve all that influence, he hasn't earned it, he hasn't paid his dues. Have you ever heard that one? When people have said paid their dues, there's probably a seed of jealousy underneath that. Unless it's the PTA in which they just owe money. But for most people, most of the time, paying your dues means there's jealousy underneath that. Here's the thing. What nobody knew about this young worship leader 
was that um, he had a medical condition at 20 years old that meant that his body almost constantly produced kidney stones. He lived in constant pain. and, and, And nobody knew it. Nobody knew. So it's so easy to see people from a distance and think, hey, they skipped it. They skipped paying their dues. They skipped doing the things. They just got the influence. They didn't have to work for it. They shouldn't be in that position. I should be in that position. But you never know somebody's whole life or what they're dealing with. People's lives always look perfect from the outside. But from God's perspective, nobody's life looks perfect. And so you've got to realize that people are just people, and that comes from spending time in God's presence. And for us, that means prayer. It means spending time with prayer in God. And we talked about this last week, connecting your prayer life to your emotional life. And I said that if you, if you haven't, you know, if your prayers still rhyme, <laughs> if you haven't yet connected your prayer life to your emotional life, then you will stay both spiritually immature and emotionally immature. And this jealousy thing is a part of it. Part of spending time with God in prayer every day when you start your day is resetting your heart and gaining God's perspective on the world. And I mean, think about it. If you had God's perspective on the world, would you worry less? Would you worry less about your life? Of course you would. If you had God's perspective on the world, would you care less about what people think about you? Of course you would. If you had God's perspective on your life, would you be less jealous of people who get a, get a promotion or get the position or get whatever? Of course you would, because you'd be able to see the whole picture. So you've got to recognize other people's lives aren't perfect. And here's the third thing this thought leads us into the third idea. So when I feel jealous, I have to embrace God's plan for my life. You know, a huge piece of jealousy is shouting at heaven, is looking at the world around you thinking, that's not fair, and then shouting at heaven, that's not fair. God, I don't know why you're doing that for them and not for me. We look at how God is unfolding the, plan, the plans of everybody else's life but ours and say, that's not fair. I should have gotten that award. I should make as much as I do. Then I would own a home. But God's plan for your life is custom-tailored by God for you. And the more you focus on other peop- God's plans for other people's life, the less happy you will be with God's plan for your life. There's a startling conversation in the New Testament about this, where Jesus and Peter are talking about God's plans for Peter's life. And uh, it's... It's a, it's a stark conversation, and in it, Jesus tells Peter that eventually Peter's going to suffer, and he's going to die for his faith in Jesus. It's super intense. And Peter's response in this conversation is to ask Jesus if another disciple named John is going to suffer and die too. And I always think, I'm going to read you the conversation in just a second, but when I hear it, I always think to myself, isn't that interesting? If Jesus gave you this earth-shattering news that you're going to suffer and die, I mean, wouldn't your first question be, yeah, but how am I going to die, Jesus? Like, is it going to be painful? Or like, when's that going to happen exactly? But Peter's first question is, what about him? Listen to the conversation. John 21. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that for you? As for you, follow me. Part of jealousy for us is looking at how life is unfolding, thinking it's not going the way I wanted to, and looking up at heaven and saying, what about him, Lord? What about her? 
saying, it should have been me. Jesus' answer to you and I is the same as his answer to Peter, and it's pretty stark. When you look up at heaven and you say, what is going on over there? What's the deal with their life? How is their plan unfolding? Jesus says, as for you, follow me. You say, God, what about, what about the position that I didn't get? And he says, as for you, follow me. You say, well, what about, what about her? She, she got ahead and she's a terrible person. Nobody even likes her. And you say, he says, as for you, follow me. You say, well, what about, what about the stepmom and my kids and they love her so much and it's just like driving me crazy and Jesus says, as for you, follow me. We're always asking, what about him? What about her? And Jesus says, follow me. You can be so concerned with God's plan for someone else's life that you're missing out on God's amazing plan for your life. God has an incredible plan for you. There's a great poem from an author named Esther Fields called Things Don't Just Happen. And the first four lines of it go like this. Things don't just happen to us who love God. They're planned by his own dear hand, then molded and shaped and timed by his clock. Things don't just happen. They're planned. You know, you can trust in faith that God has a great plan for your life. Because he does. He says so in his word, that he has a great plan for your life. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But I don't want you to miss out on God's plan for your life because you're focused on somebody else's. So, I think in order to do this, you need to have some perspective on your whole life. You gotta see it from beginning to end. Not just today. You see, in, in Peter's life, Peter was told by Jesus he would suffer and die. But Jesus had a bigger plan than just suffering and death for Peter. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter much earlier in Matthew 16, 8. Jesus said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Jesus said, Peter, on you and your confession of faith, I'm going to establish this church that's going to turn the whole world upside down. Peter's plan did involve suffering and dying for his Lord, but it also involved the entire church being built on his leadership and in that particular moment, Peter was missing out on it because he was saying, Lord, what about him? He was missing God's big plan for his life. Don't do the same thing. So when you start to feel jealous of others, we said, thank God for what I have and don't have. I can recognize no one's life is perfect. Embrace God's plan for my life. And here's the final thing, number four. Base my identity on Jesus Christ. Jealousy happens when you're insecure in your identity. You're not sure of who you are, what you're doing, where you're going. So what you do is you look for approval and affection and attention from other people. And that, that helps shore up your identity. You feel better about yourself. You feel more confident of yourself because you get, you're getting applause. You're getting, um, you're getting recognition. You're getting love. You're getting money. And all of that is helping you to feel better about yourself. But here's a, here's a question. If you didn't need those things, would you be free? Oh, yeah you'd be free. If you didn't get your identity from those things in this world, and instead you got your identity from Jesus Christ, then you would be free of jealousy. If you focus on receiving praise or approval from people, you will twist and contort your soul so that it becomes hard for you to serve God. Galatians 1.10 talks about this. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. 
The root of jealousy is that I want praise from other people. I want to be honored by other people. I want to be acknowledged by other people. I want the affection and love of other people. Then I get jealous. I want to please people. And the more desperate you are to get these things from people, the more jealous you will be when someone else gets them. But the, the, the essence of Christianity says you don't need those things from people. You get those things from God. That you get them from Jesus. You find your identity in Jesus because God tells you who you are. God tells you how you measure your life. God tells you how you know if you're succeeding. You evaluate your life based on what God says about you. This is what Romans 12.3 says. It's our memory verse today. It says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. And so you're not measuring yourself by, by what the world says about you. You're not measuring yourself by what your coworkers think about you. You're measuring yourself according to your faith in God and what God says about you. So there's incredible security when your identity is found in Christ. One of the worst things in the world is working for an insecure boss. I don't know if you've ever done that before. The second worst thing in the world is being an insecure boss and not knowing it. But when you know Christ, there's security there. He makes you strong. He makes you confident. He brings stability into your life. You're not, you're not blown around by the winds because you're based on, your, your whole life is based on a rock and not on the shifting sands of other people's approval. If you let power or success define you, you're going to be jealous of people who have those. Ephesians 1.11 says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Isn't that a cool way that the message puts it? It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. You know, I, I, I do want to say today, you can't base your identity in Christ until you find your identity in Christ. For, for so many of you, you grew up in a Christian home, or maybe you're coming to church for the first time today, and you're hearing about Jesus for the first time, and you've been finding your identity in things that are shifting, and as a result, your life is crumbling all around you. Because when the foundation shakes, the whole thing starts to crumble. And your life is unstable. Your life is unstable because you have based it on something that's shifting. And it's time for you to find your identity in Christ. And even for, for those of you who have, who, have found your, who have been following Jesus for a long time, to, you follow Jesus, you come to church on Sunday, and then on Monday morning you step into the office and you find your value by what other people say about you, by your position there, by the number of zeros on the end of your paycheck, whether it's one or six. And that's no way to live. And it's no wonder that you're jealous in your life. God wants to set you free from that. He wants you to have an identity fixed on Christ so that jealousy could be a thing of the past. So I, listen, I know what it's like to feel jealous. I know what it's like. And, I, and maybe in your life, you know, you've experienced those daydreams where you just kind of wish somebody else would just sort of disappear off the face of the earth. You get angry at other people's success. You wonder, God, why are they succeeding instead of me? I know what it feels like. 
to find out what somebody else makes and think all of a sudden, God, why them? But it's my hope that the words of Jesus would echo in all of our ears. As for you, follow me, that we would have contentment and peace and thankfulness instead of jealousy.